This program is made possible by members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The David Pakman Show, Chris Rock, Dan Savage, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And now, I know that the past couple of weeks of episodes have been pretty lighthearted, so I just want you to brace yourself to hear what real suffering and oppression actually feels like. It's December, which means it's time for another edition of the War on Christmas. Take it away, Bill. Over the years, we've taken on the role of protecting the federal holiday of Christmas. As you know, there are some Americans who are offended by any reference to Jesus Christ. And that's what the USA celebrates on December 25th, the birth of the baby Jesus. Now, everything was swell up until about 10 years ago when creeping secularism and pressure groups like the ACLU began attacking the Christmas holiday. They demanded, demanded the word Christmas be removed from advertising and public displays, and many people caved into that. So now we have the happy holidays syndrome. The most aggressive is the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which routinely threatens to sue small towns and school districts if they dare utter the word Christmas or allow choirs to sing carols in public schools. The irony is that nobody's bothering the atheists. They are free to celebrate whatever they want to celebrate. They are free not to believe, and they are free to snicker at anybody who does believe. That's not good enough for these people. They want to banish any mention of Jesus in the public square. They are the oppressors. The Christmas spirit people are just upholding a nice tradition. So why are we allowing anti-Christmas madness? What do you mean allowing it? What would you do to stop it? And but by the way, really fast, they said they're, they're free to do whatever they want, we won't stop them. Dana Perino specifically said atheists should get out of America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. George Bush also famously said that he didn't consider uh, atheists as Americans. George H.W. Bush. And what is it exactly that right. atheists yeah. celebrate and do? Yeah, like, like what's their what's their annual celebration? Like the I don't know. The festivus for the rest of us. Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was unaware of the Burning Man. Okay, yeah. all right, maybe Burning so, Man is it. You know, uh, no, what O'Reilly is saying there is, of course, atheists don't. There's nothing to celebrate. There's no holidays because we don't believe that at some point somebody walked on water or there was a burning bush. There's like there's nothing. There's no magic to celebrate, right? Uh, but basically, what he's saying there is like. We haven't even executed you guys yet. <laughs> like, we allow you to exist. Mm-hmm. We allow you to breathe the same air as us good, good moral, decent Christians. And you guys with the yappity yap, oh, I want my constitutional rights. I was in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. I went to the Jefferson Memorial. I recommend that anybody, uh, of course, you should all do that, right? Just read Jefferson a little bit. He's like, whatever you do, get religion out of government. Don't put, don't mix religion and government. It's a terrible idea. The whole point of this country is don't mix religion and government. Okay, and these guys are like, why, why, why? There's a Christian nation. That's what the founding fathers said. No, the founding fathers said the exact opposite of that. Right. So if public schools don't want to celebrate Christmas then they have the right to avoid celebrating Christmas because it's supposed to be a secular situation. It's supposed to be a place where you're not supposed to preach a particular religion to these students, right? Especially when taxpayer money is going into those schools. But let me just make a quick comment about this overall story. This is a perfect example of a story that comes up every year that makes me hate my job. Okay, I love what I do, so don't get me wrong, but it just shows you that the fake outrage exists and then people have to comment on it and it happens every year over and over again. Nothing changes, it's the same shit, and it drives me freaking crazy. I feel the exact opposite. I do. Uh, yeah, I love this. I love the story every year. Number one, it's genius on the part of Fox News. Okay, you have to understand why. Now, first of all, you're thinking, who's going to be against happy holidays? It's like the most American thing there is is happy holidays. And they did this unbelievable Jedi mind trick where they were like, no, happy holidays sucks. <laughs> and you're un-American if you believe in happy holidays. I think O'Reilly did it on a dare. I think one day like he got drunk and they made like a dollar bet like they did in trading places. Just yes. like one dollar. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh yeah, not only will I go against happy holidays... I'll do it for 20 straight years. <laughs> They're like, no, Bill, you can't. You can't. But the reason it's genius is because it's all about emotion and it's about culture, yes. right? So it has no it's merit. A, it's just us against them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the good folks at home, yeah. you know what they care about? 
baby Jesus. <laughs> and these creeping secularism, yeah. this creep, like creepy, you know, yeah. it's wordplay, these creeping secularism that's out there, it's coming for baby Jesus. Are you going to let him get baby Jesus? Is that what you're going to do by saying happy holidays? <laughs> that, that's my big pet peeve. The, the fact that he can't not say the birth of baby Jesus. We, we know, okay? It's not the birth of middle-aged Jesus. It's a fucking baby. You know it's going to be a baby. That's the only thing you give birth to, okay? Uh, and so that pisses me off. He's but a, I also love the... He's just a fan of Talladega Nights, Bill O'Reilly. That's all. I guess. Like, I saw it. I don't remember the okay. reference. But, um, but yeah, like the, the idea, first of all, that, that we're trying to attack... Like, I'm the world's biggest atheist. I love Christmas. During the break, I was talking about how I want to hear Christmas music because I celebrate the way most people in my life have celebrated it which having nothing to do whatsoever with the birth of the baby Jesus, okay? It's about trees and lights and quiche and giving presents. That's what it's quiche. about. Yeah, we always made quiche on Christmas. It's, oh. a, it's a white thing. Oh, um, But anyway, it's delicious. <laughs> now they're making quiche on the birthday of the baby Jesus. Oh. That's how these liberals are. They're going to eat sushi next on Christmas. Oh, for Christ's sake. That sounds, that really sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. In like red, anyway. green. To drive your Prius to the supermarket to pick up your quiche material? No, I drove my electric car, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. All right, so um, what, what, one more thing about this that, it, that, that I love. Look. Uh, it finally, Anna, to get to your point, mm -hmm. he broke me. This, it, it, you know, he went for so long that this year I had a different take on. It, okay, okay. It, look, I'm with John. You know, I'm agnostic, but I love Christmas. I, this year, I started listening to Christmas songs before Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's something wrong. With <laughs> okay, you. no, I know, I know. Like, and I like the religious Christmas songs. I like Noel. Okay, if from Israel. Okay, so I, I, I love them all, right? No, I was at Starbucks today, and I, I, I just read the story. I'm like, fuck O'Reilly. Happy holidays. Because <laughs> I always said Merry Christmas, but finally he broke me. All right, you win. Get, get, collect on your dollar or whatever. The, you know, so fine. No, no, no. Just to spite Fox News, I'm going to Happy Holidays, which I never said before. Look, Jake, you and I love the fact that on this show, we get to be real, right? Nothing is fake. We don't have fake outrage. If we're upset about something, we're being genuine about it, right? right. When you watch that segment, do you get the sense that he's being genuine he in his not. outrage? He Hell no. barely muster the energy. Did you see his face? And they can't he can, handle he goes, it. We've been doing this for ten years now. Yeah, they <laughs> demand. They demand. Yeah. Demand <laughs> that we say happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ridiculous no, no, that's, I mean, look, that's why Bill O'Reilly is one of the greatest actors we've had. Yes, right. And you really, you got to give him credit for that, yes. right? I mean, John Wayne, please, yeah. rookie, amateur. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know Charlton Heston. Come on, get the. Yeah, no way, man. This O'Reilly, he. That's the thing. Actually, he misses calling. You know, yes. he wanted to be an actor, he wanted to be a celebrity, etc., yes. right? He was, remember, what he, he grew up on Inside Edition. Like, that was, you remember, the, yeah. fuck it, we'll do it yeah. live. He was an anchor on Inside Edition. But he didn't make it in that world, so he came and he became an actor on Fox News, where he's like, let me tell you about the baby Jesus. I'm so outraged what has happened to him. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. That's what you don't like, because he's an actor. Yes. He's he, a plane and an yeah. Italian from New York. Yeah. He, he, I, so I like how he said, imagine where we, uh, like how he said, for the last 10 years, we've been defending, we've been defending the federal holiday of Christmas. Imagine where Christmas would be if they weren't defended the last 10 years. Yeah. I'm going to guess exactly the same place it is right now. Yeah. And he likes. He goes, and the atheists can snicker at us. Yeah. Snicker, yeah, we'll snicker at you and your religion while you tell us we're going to hell for eternity. Yeah. I think yours is a little worse, right? Yeah. They, they, so that's what, and then he says we're just upholding a nice tradition, a tradition of mixing government and religion. You fuckface. <laughs> By the way, I, I think that calling Christmas the federal holiday of Christmas is part of the war on Christmas. Yeah. It has nothing to do with government. Bill, get your government hands off my Christmas. Thank you. Know, it's the religious you holiday of Christmas. Get, get the government out of baby Jesus. <laughs> okay. Leave baby Jesus alone. There's a war.
Let's play this, folks. This is we're on red alert here um, at uh, uh, we're on Christmas Central. This is obviously very scary uh, for us this year because Bill O'Reilly has cracked the code, ladies and gentlemen, and the challenge is on. Let's um, here's Bill O'Reilly. Just moments after Thanksgiving, I think it was, who has now laid the trap for all of you dirty secularists, non-fundamentalists, really. Let's listen to Bill O'Reilly. Well, over the years, we've taken on the role of protecting the federal holiday of Christmas. As you know, there are some Americans who are offended. Thank God that Bill O'Reilly has been protecting the federal holiday of Christmas. I love how much these guys love the federal government when it protects the holiday. And, of course, he is the sort of the Christmas avenger. He's the one when Christmas is in danger, you get up onto your roof and you project a, uh, a silhouette of a loofah sponge. And Bill O'Reilly shows up. Go. By any reference to Jesus Christ. And that's what the USA celebrates on December 25th, the birth of the baby Jesus. Oh, God, I feel like I'm melting. He said the J word twice. President Grant signed the holiday into law after Congress passed legislation in 1870 acknowledging the country's Judeo-Christian tradition. And so, Americans officially got the day off from work. Now, everything was swell up until about 10 years ago when creeping secularism and pressure groups like the ACLU began attacking the Christmas holiday. They demanded, demanded the word Christmas be removed from advertising and public displays, and many people... I don't think the ACLU was really out in the forefront of demanding that Christmas be removed from advertising. Don't remember that, but whatever. I mean, we understand. We know the ACLU is behind all of this stuff where, you know, Bradley's or Kmart says happy holidays. We know. I mean, of course, that's the ACLU. Also, interesting to see Bill O'Reilly believes that all Americans should have off on federal holidays. Oh, well, that's interesting. Caved into that. So now we have the happy holidays syndrome. What is interesting this year is that Hanukkah will be over on Thursday. So there are no more holidays between then and Christmas Day. Damn you, Bill O'Reilly! He's on to us. It's just Christmas if you want to invoke happy. Bad news for the secular progressives. The absurdity of the situation was brilliantly parodied today in the Mallard Fillmore cartoon strip by our pal Bruce Tinsley. The following Christmas special actually mentions Christianity. Viewer discretion is advised. And then there's Macy's, a company that I generally like because it supports wounded warriors. But this year they're touting Santa Claus, who will help you, quote, with your holiday wish list. So here's my question to Macy's. What holiday is Santa celebrating? Winter solstice? The birthday of a reindeer? What? Here's my question to uh, Bill O'Reilly. Who the F is Santa? Why is it? Wait, well, who the F is Santa? Was, it, was, was he the guy who pulled the rock away from when uh, Jesus came out of the, the, the cave? Who was Santa? Yes. I'll tell you who Santa is. Santa was just made up by a company like Macy's to sell products during this time of year. As far as I know, Santa's not mentioned... In any church, does, I mean, I, I don't go to church at this time of year, but does, does the priest or the minister say, praise be Santa Claus? I don't think so. I don't think, I mean, isn't that the whole point? Santa's not a religious icon. He's a commercial icon. 
<sighs> Folks, this is what a secular progressive looks like when he's defeated. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Um, we're going to have to wait till next year when Hanukkah is pushed back later in the year, and we will remarshal our Happy Holidays forces, um, you know, to continue to spread the disease or the syndrome, as uh, O'Reilly calls it. Let me just say this. The Happy uh, Holiday Syndrome. Yeah, the ho- Happy Holiday Syndrome. Let me just say this first. Say, baby, put down that pipe and get my pipe up. Uh, let's go Is to this. Isn't up, but but San, Santa Claus fits into Christianity because they turned him. They took Saint Nicholas mm. and they turned him into Santa Claus. Yeah, Saint Nicholas, I believe, was a German. And Christmas is the winter solstice, right? Mm. I mean, isn't oh, that the oh, root of oh, Christmas? Oh, oh, nice try. I know, it's very pagan. Nice try, pagan. But isn't that oh, true? Oh, my gosh. Well, yes. But. Uh, uh, I mean, yes, technically, but, yeah. apparently, Jesus was born, I think, in the summer. But it doesn't matter. The food was great. The tree plugged in. The meal had gone without a hitch. Till Timmy turned to Amber and said, Is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, the pies are burning, and she hit the kitchen, and it was Jane who spoke. She said, it's true, the cousin's not a Christian, but we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share, and you find magic from your gut, and we find magic everywhere. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able. Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning. Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning. As we do close in on Christmas, Lewis, it is almost Christmas, and I will be doing absolutely nothing, as I have always done, because... I was raised Jewish, and Christmas was always a very calm day, a nice thing, actually, compared to the frantic Christmas Eve shopping for gifts to participate in the buying culture and the entire thing. I won't be doing that, but there's an interesting article on Addicting Info, which originally appeared on Web 2 Cars by Lindsay Prosnitz, which asks, wouldn't Jesus hate Christmas, Lewis? And it goes through seven different reasons why Jesus would, would not like Christmas, Number one is commercialization. Uh, uh, Matthew 19.21 and other verses of, of, of the sacred text talk about how you can either love God or money, but you cannot possibly serve both. Christmas trees, Christmas trees are actually a remnant of Germanic pagan traditions that couldn't be further from the Christmas faith. You prob- Jesus probably wouldn't really... Uh, be too fond of Christmas trees. Not actually Jesus' birthday, right? The sentiment is nice, but December 25th was not the day Jesus was born. The date was chosen largely to align with a variety of pre-existing winter festivals. We've talked about some of those in the past. The Bible generally, Lewis, isn't really big on birthdays, even if December 25th was the day of Jesus' birth. The Bible is not big on birthdays. There are few instances in the Bible where birthdays are even described, and they often lead to murder. For example, Matthew 14, 6 through 10, talks about King Herod's birthday, in which Herodias' daughter dances for Herod, which is very pleasing to him. He declares he will give her anything she wants, and she asks for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So birthdays, Lewis, not exactly the coolest, friendliest uh, thing in the Bible, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I, I think birthdays would probably just fit in with the whole Christmas theme of uh, big, big spending and uh, corporate nonsense. Then we have paganism. If there's one thing God doesn't like, Lewis, it is worshiping false idols. Yet many modern Christmas traditions have pagan origins. For example, we've got the Christmas trees, as I talked about. We talked about uh, uh, celebrating Christmas on December 25th also stems from Roman pagan traditions, and that does not seem very Christ-like to me. And then, of course, we have Santa. Not only, Lewis, is his name an anagram for Satan, it is, in a sense, a false idol that, because of the commercialization of the holiday, I don't think it's crazy to say that there is a worship of Santa and the buying culture that it represents. Right. Uh, if you were to take a poll of youngsters in this country and ask <laughs> them uh, yeah, what Christmas is actually about, 
and uh, and about Jesus and about Santa, I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of them don't even really know who Jesus is, but Santa, everyone knows who Santa is. All right, and lastly, the seventh reason why Jesus might not be that big of a fan of Christmas, Jesus was Jewish, right? And even Reform and non-religious Jews face the... Uh, December dilemma of saying, well, we don't celebrate Christmas, but at the same time, Jesus was Jewish, so what's going on here? So listen, Lewis, I, I think that um, it, it, there's a very good chance if Jesus were alive today, he would be no big fan of what Christmas is. Oh, he would be, he would be appalled, David. <laughs> uh, anyone with common sense would be able to realize that. talking about the war on Christmas, Bill O'Reilly likes to be very vague. They're creeping secularists, they're attacking it in very vague terms, but he made a mistake when he brought up a specific example. Uh, he's going to talk about it in this clip. Recently we've seen three cases where schools have banned music from their schools based on misinformation that's been put out by these organizations that don't understand the constitutionality of Christmas. And the last one was in South Carolina where it was a school ban. There weren't even, even uh, words, it was just music. And they said, well, uh, even though the students picked these songs, Joy of the World and uh, O Come You Faithful, uh, they banned them from the schools. Alliance Defending Freedom sent a letter, told the truth about Christmas, that Christmas is constitutional, and they allowed these back in the schools. What prompted the school officials here in a small town, Rock Hill, to say, you know, we're not even going to allow Christmas music. What, were they threatened? Did somebody come and shake them? What, what precipitated that? What's happening to this school and others is that they're getting misinformation from groups like the ACLU and the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They're coming in and they're telling uh, things about Christmas that aren't true. Well, and give so me what an we example. need to do. Give me an example. Well, they're, they're saying you can't have Christmas carols in the school. The students can't sing religious music in the schools. The problem is some of these small schools, they're afraid of litigation. They don't have big budgets. 
Yeah, so you see that Bill asked that question, and he didn't really directly answer it. Right. It's because it's all BS, and he doesn't have an answer. He, unfortunately, did not account for investigative journalist J.R. Jackson, who's going to do a little bit of basic research into the story and find out what actually happened at that school. So the man who, who, who said that he had to cancel the Christmas music because of the ACLU, that's Clay Eaton at the York Preparatory Academy, who said that the ACLU sent him a letter when they were going to have their Christmas music. Now, didn't have any lyrics, and so that seems ridiculous. Why would you try to stop just the music itself? Well, the ACLU said, we didn't send him a letter. And so Clay Eaton responded by saying, well, yeah, they didn't send me a letter, but they had a press conference. And the ACLU said, yeah, we had a press conference a year and a half ago oh yeah. about gosh. religion and government. It had nothing to do with York Preparatory Academy. It was a completely manufactured scandal or controversy. And he just preemptively said, well, we're not going to do it because of the ACLU and inciting, uh, inviting the religious and conservative organizations to step back in to reinstate the music. So, look, I'm so glad JR looked into that because it's such a great circular reason that they have, right? So that Clay Eaton probably watches uh, the O'Reilly yeah. fact during Fox News, and he hears about the war on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then the minute he can pretend to be the victim, yes. you know, it's like, oh, a year and a half ago, somebody had a press conference having nothing to do with us, right? Oh, I'm the victim! Oh, my, they did it to me! Oh, my God! Oh, they took away the joy of Christmas! And then O'Reilly then says, oh, great. And he puts it back on air and says, you see, there's a war on Christmas. And on and on it goes with absolutely no substance. <laughs> I like Christmas music. It's one of my favorite types of music. I don't get what enjoyment they get out of pretending to be victims. Money, ratings, victims. It's all, that's the uh, whole but, thing. But this, but this guy from the school in the small town, like, what is he getting out of this? Like, he, what kind of enjoyment or pleasure does he get well, out of yeah. pretending as though people are attacking his religion? Oh, it's that uh, Munchausers by proxy or whatever. I don't know what that is. But the thing oh. is, <laughs> making some <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he gets the attention for doing this. He get, he's on Bill O'Reilly. They're talking about him. He's written up in uh, in uh, online news articles. This guy, it's a big controversy. Yeah. Of course he loves it. Plus he gets to be people love. It's the attention he got for being. I'm fighting the ACLU. Yeah. And he doesn't no. think the ACLU is gonna basically call him out on yeah. his lie. Right, and the ACLU is going to lie about it because there's nothing the ACLU wants more than the publicity from being involved in a case like this. Right. They would have taken credit if they could have. But, but as you were sort of implying this, there's no more, I guess, more desired position in American politics and media than being the victim. Exactly. Especially when you're not a genuine victim because then you get to eat your, have your cake and eat it too. Like, the right creates victims. You know, they attack the poor, they attack minorities, and then those people get to say, look, we're being completely victimized. And in the past, that's led to things like the civil rights movement and stuff like that. So now they want to be the victim. And there's nothing, there's no uh, political jujitsu, I guess, that's better, I think, in our recent history than Christians who are the, like, the overwhelming majority of the country saying, we're being attacked. And they have you the have most, everything. They have the most sway in our domestic policy as well. I mean, to think about that. I mean, they, they dictate a lot of our social issues. But, Anna, if that was true, you know, we would have had at least one Christian president. <laughs> Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus, going on before. There's been a concerted effort uh, in some right-wing circles in the last few years to make me this kind of anti-Christian, Jesus-hating boogeyman. I'm uh, an anti-Christian bigot. That's what you constantly see, these Matt Barber and Brian Fisher and Peter LaBarbera and Tony Perkins weirdos are always insisting that I'm anti-Christian and anti-Jesus and anti-everything else. And I often think of them at this time of year when they're having their war on Christmas orgasms and spinning in circles about secular humanists and atheists like me who are coming to destroy Christmas or that we hate Christmas. Pat Robertson said it best, most hilariously, last year when he said that the Grinch is coming for Christmas. The Grinch is trying to steal our holiday, Pat Robertson said, not acknowledging, of course, that Christians stole this holiday from the Romans, but whatever, we'll leave that alone. 
Robertson. The nation comes together, we sing Christmas carols, we give each other gifts, we have lighted trees, and it's just a beautiful thing. But atheists don't like our happiness. They don't want you to be happy. They want you to be miserable. They're miserable, so they want you to be miserable, so they want to steal your holiday from you. I would love it if Pat Robertson would drop by my house one year for Christmas. Because what he would find in our house, in my house, the anti-Christian bigot, our house, mine and Terry's, is a lighted tree covered with glass ornaments that Terry has collected over the 20 years that we've been together. Christmas carols playing on the stereo. Presents wrapped and under the tree until Christmas morning when they're torn apart. He will find my grandfather's crash on the mantle. He will find stockings hung by the chimney with care. Our house... As the Brits like to say, something is camp as Christmas. There's no camper house on Christmas than ours. Terry and I, for DJ when he was little, but for ourselves, we keep Christmas. I really like Christmas, as Tim Minchin sings. If you're not familiar with Tim Minchin, he's the Australian comedian uh, and songwriter and singer. Uh, he has this really beautiful song. If you're a secular humanist, if you're an atheist like me, and you feel all conflicted about perhaps your love of this holiday that right-wingers insist that we hate, you might want to go Google Tim Minchin, White Wine in the Sun is actually the name of the song. But I always think of it as, I really like Christmas, which is the refrain. And it's just a beautiful song about what Christmas for sane people actually is and what Christmas for many Christians actually is and for many believers actually is. It's just getting together with family. And that's not an exclusively Christian phenomenon, this getting together with family shit. Hindus do it too. Jews do it too. Atheists do it too. And atheists like Terry and I, who were raised in Christian families, we do it in the Christian style. We do the Christmas thing without the myths, without the superstitions, without the imaginary friends, but we do the Christmas thing. I bake cookies. I send them to my siblings. I bake my mother's Christmas cookies every year because my mom's not here to do it. Every year without fail, wherever we were in the world, if we weren't at home, a tin full of my mother's chocolate Christmas snowballs would arrive. I've taken up that mission, and I every year bake those cookies for my siblings, for my stepfather, my father, and I get them in the mail so that mom is remembered and that Christmas is kept. And I really like it. I like the decorations. I like the songs. I agree with Tim Minchin. I quite like the songs, though the lyrics are spooky. The lyrics can be spooky, but I quite like the songs. And I quite like the holiday. And this effort on the part of the religious right over the last few years to divide the country between those who celebrate Christmas and those who, by existing and not believing are somehow attacking or undermining or trying to steal their Christmas. I'm into your Christmas. I dig your Christmas. I Christmas the shit out of your Christmas. I would put my Christmas against Pat Robertson's Christmas any fucking day. We have a Christmas Eve dinner. It is a blowout. We open our house on Christmas Day to all of our friends and neighbors. That is a scene. That Christmas Day at our house can be quite a mix. We live in a Catholic neighborhood. We have our Catholic neighbors over, some of whom are conservative, and they are milling around in our living room and our dining room, drinking champagne and eating my mother's cookies with some of our other friends. Our friend, the professional dominatrix, our friends, the porn stars, chatting amiably by the fire with our friend, the Catholic mom with the three kids from up the block. It's actually kind of a beautiful, kind of Christian-y, Christmas-y moment to see these people that the culture warriors insist are or ought to be at each other's throats. The sex radicals and the family values types. They're all at my house on Christmas Day. Enjoying it. Enjoying Christmas. By our tree. So if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a great one. It's Christmas Eve today when the podcast went up. I really do hope that you are having a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever you're celebrating, however you're opting out or opting in, I hope you're having a great December 24th, 25th, whatever it is you're doing. And if you're like us, like my family, like me and Terry and DJ, and you're celebrating Christmas, even though the Pat Robertsons and Tony Perkinses, Peter Lababeras of the world insist that you are the enemy of Christmas, 
we're right there with you, Terry and I. And we know what they don't know. That Christmas is ours, too. And they can't claim it any more than they can claim patriotism, any more than they can claim the country. We're going to take our country back. Wasn't your country exclusively to begin with. And Christmas isn't theirs exclusively either. Christmas is ours as well. And we're having it. And I hope you're having it. And I hope you're enjoying it. Merry Christmas if that's your thing. And yes, I have all of the usual objections To consumerism, to the commercialization of an ancient religion To the westernization of a dead Palestinian press ganged Into selling Playstations and beer But I still really like it I'm looking forward to Christmas Though I'm not expecting A visit from Jesus I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters My gran and my mum They'll be drinking white wine in the sun Here is Bill O'Reilly. Of course, saying that uh, this is not just a war on Christmas, but we know who perpetrates it. It's not just the secularists anymore. It's the Muslims. Also, the first salvo this season in the ongoing war on Christmas in Montgomery County, Maryland. There'll be no mention of Christmas or any other religious holiday on the school calendars going forward. That's because a Muslim group did something. With us now, Ace Fox News correspondent, Eric Schoen. All right, Pause it. Yep. No Christmas in Maryland because a Muslim group did something. The Muslim Maryland deal. What happened down there? Well, essentially, the school system took a vote. The school board took a vote, and they've decided to exclude all references to religious holidays in their school calendar for 2015, 2016 for that school year. The way it got started is that Muslim community leaders, for quite some time now, have been asking for equal billing for their two major Muslim holidays, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr, which marked the end of Ramadan and the end of the Hajj. So they wanted to have equal status with Christmas. Hanukkah, Passover, correct? Exactly. But there aren't nearly as many Muslim kids in the schools in Montgomery County, Maryland, as there are Jewish or Christian kids. Is that correct? Well, uh, that's correct. Th that, that's pretty clearly correct. But there is a growing Muslim population, and this is something they've been working for for a few so years. So they, they wanted it on the calendar, or they wanted it off? What did they want? Because well, you get off on Christmas. What they're really and, arguing for is that the... That the Muslim holiday should be recognized and that the entire school system should be off. Okay, so they but want every, but they want school to be closed those days. Right, but, but, but for this year, they took things back a notch and said, hey, our holiday falls on the same holiday as Yom Kippur. Yeah. Why do you acknowledge us as well? And the school well, system said instead of doing that, let's take everything okay. off the calendar. All right, so I'm Montgomery County uh, school superintendent. I'll put your little holiday on there, okay, but you're not getting off because if I give you off, then I have to give... Yeah, Halloween, the Wiccans, right? And I'm not besmirching the Muslim religion. It's a public school. And in the public, it's primarily Christian, all right, and Jewish, not Muslim. And that's the, those are the demographics. But the argument here that they're making is that this was the wrong decision on the part of the school board. They were disappointed and shocked by it. They had no idea course, that all these holidays would be group. excluded. It's a pressure group. And Montgomery County caved in, and they're wiping out. You know, Christmas and Easter and Passover, these have a Judeo-Christian tradition in our country. So they've wiped out all our traditions because these people, they, and, but I, I will say... I would have been respectful and put it on the calendar, but you're not getting off. You want to take off? Fine. Well, they are getting that, off. You know, the population is growing, and there are school systems around the country Blind. where those holidays are, are off it's on, like their, zero on their school two, calendars. It's like zero two percent. All right. Now, so if you add one, the population is growing. All right. Wow. Uh, just a couple of things. I don't know uh, why this is fully necessary, but you know. Uh, I'm not sure if Bill O'Reilly was around when he was a child, but the whole thing about it being a Judeo, like where Jewish holidays <laughs> were respected, uh, I don't think so. No, in fact, I know so. I don't, when I grew up in Worcester, 
we never got we never got any Jewish holidays off ever. I live in New York. My kid gets the Jewish holidays off. You know, they're a pressure group. They really shouldn't even talk about it. Uh, he's wrong on the percentages of uh, Muslims. They are, yes, less than the Jews. But here's the other thing that uh, Bill doesn't say. You can't say that uh, Christians and Jews are both primarily. No, one of them is primary. It's the Christians. So either own up to the whole thing, Bill, and say, don't let the Jews have off because they're not in the majority of the kids. How many, how many, what percent of the students uh, in Montgomery, uh, Maryland are Jewish? 15, 20% max? You're going to take off because of 20% of the kids? That's where you should be at, Bill. Get the courage of your convictions. Stop being such a wimp. Sick it to the Jews, too. You know you want to. Uh, what's the matter, Cedar? You want another day off? What? You want another? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Jews? You do get a day off. You get, you get only. Let's stop playing around with the, the pressure group that the Jews are. You can celebrate on Christmas for the great victory you had when you killed my Lord and Savior. How about that? That's right. Yeah. And guess what? Take a day off for murdering Christ. No Jew has ever taken the day off from school for Hanukkah. Never happened. Hanukkah's not a, that big of a, uh, of a holiday. I can't find the uh, stats for specifically the children in the school. But uh, of Montgomery County's entire population of uh, religion, 13% Catholic, 5% Baptist, 4% Evangelical Protestant, 3% Jewish, and then there's a few and 1%. Muslim is one of the 1% ones. So Jewish is only 3% of the entire population. Yeah, but they're part of the Judeo-Christian. <laughs> this country has always respected Jews, except for the time <laughs> when we did. So. This country's always respected Jews. Always, since the founding. <laughs> We love Jews. That's right. <laughs> this country is always huge total fan respect of the Jews. for the Jews. Uh, so we know that's the case. So that's all right. So thank you. Anyways. I remember my old man sitting around getting drunk and talking about how much he respected the Jews. Oh, my their God. Their work ethic, their culture. <laughs> <laughs> he would just unload on how much he liked them, wanted them to on move Long to the neighborhood. up. <laughs> My community, we would. Yeah, I mean, like, I actually think all of the country clubs competed to have the first Jewish if, family uh, join. When okay? uh, Bill O'Reilly went to Harvard, if they still had a quote on Jews at that time, I don't think so. It's good to be a Jew at Christmas. It's nice to be a Jew this time of year. It's clear that we're the chosen ones. We got eight nights, they got just one. It's good to be a Jew at Christmas. Christmas Day will eat Chinese, walk empty streets into a freeze. Once a year, the city's ours alone. Anyone you see must be a Jew. Why not say, hi, I'm a Jew too. The Goyim, they're all getting drunk at home. Yes, it's good to be a Jew at Christmas. So people don't know the origin of Christmas. But I do, because I'm smart. And uh, I looked it up. <laughs> so here, did you, did you know, Google it? I did Google it. Did you know that, uh, first of all, <coughs> Christmas became cel celebrated on December 25th. Uh, you know, it was, it was actually a pagan holiday. It was called uh, Satumalia. Satuma, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But That's some of my favorite kind of weed, is that Satumalia. <laughs> <laughs> Satumal, it's the, it was the ancient Roman seven-day festival of Saturn, which began on December 17th. And it was a celebration marked by unrestrained, un, that's very key here, unrestrained revelry and often licentiousness. 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 That's called fucking. It's good. Yes. Yeah. And then it says, and then it's a semicolon and it says an orgy. Okay, so that's so that's the fa so that's how Christmas started. That it was certainly a, would be very happy holidays. It was a sex festival. Even a, during the Victorian era, it it had a naughtiness to it. Yes, yes, anyway. it did. You're right. That's why they, they you know they banned it in yeah. Massachusetts for for a number of years Under because the pilgrims because it was considered the Puritans did not like they Christmas. It, they yeah. thought Christmas was dirty. It was dirty because it, 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 it was known as the one time a year fat guys could get laid. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, actually, one of the traditions of of uh, Christmas in England was that uh, uh, the wealthy and their servants would trade places. Uh, and so you could order if you were a servant, you could order around your master for the day. kinky. So here are some of the yeah, sure. here are some of the festivals uh, observations uh, observance in in, uh, in the time of the Greek poet Lucian. Right, he said uh, in addition to human sacrifice, which they would have on this <coughs> festival, they they also had uh, widespread intoxication. Going from house to house while singing naked, which was <laughs> which was what how carolers got started. This is true. They would go to house to house uh, singing naked while drunk, and then they would rape, and then they would have other sexual licentiousness, licentiousness, right? And then they would uh, consume human-shaped biscuits, <laughs> still pr produced in some English and most German bakeries during the Christmas and then, season. And then after that, things got weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in the fourth century, in the fourth century. Christianity co-opted this festival of Satumalia uh, in hoping to get pagans to become Christians, right? So they decided to start celebrating this. And Christian leaders succeeded in converting to Christianity large numbers of pagans by promising them that they could still celebrate Satumalia as Christians. So that's how they got these pagans to become Christians. Uh. The problem was that there was nothing intrinsically Christian about Satamalia. <laughs> so to remedy this, the Christian leaders named Satamalia's concluding day, September 25th, to be Jesus' birthday. They just made it up. Right. Wow. It's, it, they, it's generally believed that Jesus was born probably in the spring, actually. Uh-huh. Uh that makes a little more and sense. Jesus hated it because uh, <laughs> it's, nothing is worse than when your birthday is on the same day as Christmas. <laughs> you don't get as many presents. So the, no. the, the earliest Christmas holidays were celebrated by drinking, sexual indulgence, singing naked in the streets. So that's that's how... Christmas, Why did we get ripped off? That's how Christmas got started. But even even in Northern European Europe, where it was the Solstice Festival, again, it was a lot of drinking and stuff because it was it's the end of that food. You know, it's it's everybody basically like having like the last of the harvest food and yes. hunkering down for the next couple of months. Right. So here's this thing about what happened in Massachusetts. So the Reverend, this guy's name is. Increase Mather, that's his name, Increase is his first name. <laughs> the Reverend Increase Mather of Boston observed in 1687 that the yearly Christians who first observed the Nativity on December 25th did not do so thinking that Christ was born in that month, but because the heathens' Satamalia festival was at the time kept in Rome, and they were willing to have those pagan holidays metamorphosized into Christian ones. Because of its known pagan origin, Christmas was banned by the Puritans, and its observance was illegal in Massachusetts between 1659 and 1681. <laughs> However, Christmas wow. was still celebrated by most Christians. <laughs> Some of the most depraved customs of Satomalia's carnival were intentionally revived by the Catholic Church in 1466 when Pope Paul II, for the amusement of his Roman citizens, forced Jews to race naked through the streets of the city. An eyewitness account reports, quote, before they were to run, the Jews were richly fed so as to make the race more difficult for them and at the same time more amusing for the spectators. They ran amid Rome's taunting shrieks and pearls of laughter while the Holy Father stood upon a richly ornamented balcony and laughed heartily. Good well, times. But then they, they changed it, though. They... they they fed them afterwards, and they told them at the end of their run there was a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> so it all worked out. That made them run very fast. So then in the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, rabbis of the ghetto in Rome were forced to wear clownish outfits <coughs> and march through the city streets to, je to the jeers of the crowd. Pelted by a variety of missiles, I'm guessing just stuff thrown at people. And when the Jewish community of Rome sent a petition in 1836 to Pope Gregory the 16th, begging him to stop the annual Satamalia abuse of the Jewish community, he responded by saying, quote, it is not opportune to make any innovations. <laughs> So on December 25th, 1881, Christian leaders whipped the Polish masses into anti-Semitic frenzies that led to riots across the country. And in Warsaw, 12 Jews were brutally murdered. Huge numbers were maimed and many Jewish women were raped 
two million rubles worth of property were destroyed. That's all in the name of Christmas. So that's how Christmas got started. This is in the 18th. Oh, anti-Semitism. Is, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> <laughs> so this is in the 18th and 19th century. So that's the, that's the origin of Christmas, Megyn Kelly. Okay? Just so you know. It was a big orgy. Santa Claus was still white, right? And Santa Claus. Okay. So you want to know how, the, how Santa Claus got started? So St. Nicholas was born in Parara, Turkey in 270. And later became the Bishop of Myra. He died at, in the year 345 on December 6th. He was the, he was only named a saint in the 19th century, even though he died in 346. So Nick. Well, when you're born, when you're born in a three, you really know you're in ancient times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So Nicholas was among the most senior bishops who convened the Council of Nicaea in 325 and created the New Testament. The text they produced portrayed Jews as the children of the devil who sentenced Jesus to death. So this is St. Nicholas. All right. So in 1087, a group of sailors who, ide who idolized St. Nicholas moved his bones from Turkey to a sanctuary in Italy. There, Nicholas supplanted a female boon-giving deity called the Grandmother, or Pasqua Epiphania, who used to fill the children's stocking with their gifts. So they got rid of her, and they just started to give all this, these traits to this guy, St. Nick. Because right? you couldn't say her name. Couldn't say her name. The grandmother was ousted from her shrine at Bari, which became the center of Nicholas's cult. Members of his group gave each other gifts during a pageant they conducted annually on the anniversary of Nicholas's death on December 6th. The Nicholas cult spread north until it was adopted by the Germans and the Celtic pagans. These groups worshipped... <laughs> A pantheon led by Woden, their chief god, and the father of Thor. So this, so this is how. Thor, <laughs> cool. So Woden, so this guy, Odin. so Woden or Woden. It's Odin. It's, in, in you English. don't pronounce the W. Odin. Okay, so Odin had a long white beard and rode a horse through the heavens one evening each autumn. When Saint Nicholas merged with Ot Odin. He shed the Mediterranean appearance, meaning oh, good. Yes, He's no longer dark. Grew a beard, mounted a flying horse, mm. rescheduled his flight from autumn to December, mm. and donned heavy winter clothing. So, in an, in a bid for pagan adherence in northern Europe, the Catholic Church adopted the Nicholas cult and taught that he did distribute gifts on December twenty fifth instead of December sixth. So this is how. Santa Claus got started. So in 1809, the novelist Washington Irving, who's most famous for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, wrote a satire of Dutch culture entitled Knickerbocker History. The satire refers to several times to be the white-bearded flying horse riding St. Nicholas used in his Dutch name, Santa Claus. So this, in 1809, is how Santa Claus really got started. So he wrote this thing. And uh, and then Dr. Clement Moore, a professor at Union Seminary, read the Knickerbocker history, and in 1822, he published a poem based on the character Santa Claus, Twas the Night Before Christmas. So that happened in 1822. So 1823 was the first parody of the night before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so then the Bavarian illustrator Thomas Nash almost completed the modern picture of Santa Claus from 1862 to 1886 based on that that poem Nash drew more than 2000 cartoon images of Santa for Harper's Weekly uh -huh. before Nash St Nicholas had been pictured as everything from a stern looking bishop to a gnome like figure in a frock but Nash also gave Santa a home at the North Pole his workshop filled with elves, and his list of good and bad children of the world. All Santa was missing was a red outfit. So that came from this illustrator, Thomas Nast, in 1862. He made up pretty much Santa, right? Wow. He should be getting, his family should be getting royalty. He should be getting, but then guess what? As Robert mentioned last week, in 1931, the Coca-Cola Corporation contracted the Swedish commercial artist Haddon Sundblom to create a Coke Coca-Cola drinking Santa. And this guy, this artist Sunblom, modeled his Santa on his friend Lou Prentice, chosen for his cheerful, chubby face. The corporation insisted that Santa's fur-trimmed suit be bright Coca-Cola red. And Santa Claus was born, a blend of Christian crusader, pagan god, 
and a Coca-Cola commercial idol. So when Santa has a red coat, it's because of Coca-Cola. Hmm. It has nothing to do with anything. This completely invented thing, Santa Claus. I, I, I actually, one of the subtler thing that's interesting about this is when people are always like, Santa, this, and it's like, do you understand that, that the idea of Santa Claus is cultish? It's the worst form of idolatry yes. that is condemned in the New Testament yes. and the Old Testament. And yes. Like it's at the point that there was a cult of Saint Nicholas mm-hmm. it was very con- there were cults all the time mm-hmm. at that point in the ancient world, and that's exactly what Christianity and Judaism were fighting against were, were these weird splinter cults. Yes, and so for them to say, well, Santa Claus is part of the can- is this sacred part of the canon? No, it couldn't be further. It's it's actually seditious to the canon. So I agree. Yes, it's it's it, it, so again. Uh, as as a lot of things in life, what's come to be accepted as a as a truism in modern or in mainstream culture, the exact opposite would be true. Especially when things are surrounding religion. You know, they say on the first day God created man, or or, and, or they say God created man in His own likeness and image. When we all know anybody who's thinking rational and not completely devoted to fantasy knows that the reverse happened, that God didn't invent man in his own likeness and image, man created God in his own likeness and image. And that's why God has a beard and looks like Santa. <laughs> so uh, these... so am I supposed to give Coca-Cola to my friends this Christmas? Mm. So the exact opposite. You could do worse. I love, I love Coca-Cola. So I'll take you it. like Mexican Coca-Cola, friends. Are you trying to tell me that there's that. no Santa Claus? I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> there's no Santa Claus. All right, that's it. That's all our show. That's um, we're, we're done. What do you got to say, Frank? Go ahead. I don't know if you can fit this in, but this is an absolutely true story. When I was a kid, and I believed in Santa Claus, this friend of mine, and I guess I was five years old, said uh, he told me there was no Santa Claus. And he said, Frank, when you get older, and as you're going off to college, <laughs> your parents are going to tell you there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Katie Klebusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. And this is it. This is the last new episode of the year. There are going to be two reruns that I'll play in in the next week. And then we'll be back with a new show on January 2nd. So uh, it, it is been a messed up year. Th- thanks to everyone for you know listening. It's been another you know great, interesting slash terrible year for the show. Um, I, I, I felt like we went through a couple of phases this year between uh, this summer with the Israeli attack on Gaza and the refugees fleeing horrific conditions in South America showing up on our border, and then you know, later in the year a lot of focus on unbelievable police brutality and killings, a dismal election that pretends even worse times to come in the near future, and then topping everything off with the torture report. Uh, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm sort of glad to see this year behind us but you know th- thanks for listening the, ignoring bad news doesn't make it go away only working to make things better will make things better so you know the way i see it it's helpful to remember that progressivism isn't about working towards a goal and then once we reach that goal we can stop it, it, it just doesn't work that way progressivism is a task that is never over there will never be a time that there won't be improvements to be made to society and so we just need to keep pushing you know always pushing forward making sure to take care of ourselves and each other along the way because there's not an end point where we'll get to collapse and all rest so you know you push when you can you take mental health breaks when you need to you celebrate your victories along the way and you take stock of what you're thankful for 
And and then, of course, take the time to make fun of silly bullshit like Bill O'Reilly to take the edge off. And then you get back to work, you know. And that brings me actually to what I'm thankful for. I figure it's the end of the year. It's reasonable time to to go over this. Uh, first of all, I'm thankful for Bill O'Reilly. I, without him, I don't know what I could do in terms of, of a holiday-themed show. Like if everyone was just sort of respecting everyone else's uh, cultures and not stepping on anyone else's toes, well, then that wouldn't make for a very interesting show. So uh, for him to make up this giant controversy is mana from heaven, basically, for uh, for a show like mine. Um, secondly, you know, you can't avoid hearing horror stories from people talking about uh, the holidays and how, you know, coupled with the holidays, they then have to talk with terribly, you know, racist or conservative or, or just ill-informed family members. And so they go and they try to have a good time, but then there's this tinge of like horrible discomfort because uh, you're with these people who you don't see very often, but, uh, you know, but then you end up talking about these terrible things and disagreeing and fighting. And, and I just totally recognize and appreciate how incredibly lucky I am to not be in that position. Uh, you know, I mean, my family there, it's weird because they're political, but it's, it seems like everyone sort of just agrees on such a close level that politics isn't even an interesting topic to discuss because we'd all just, you know, hey, did you hear about this? Yeah, that's terrible. And, and then there's nothing else to say about it. And, and then, um, and then I totally got lucky. Uh, Amanda, whose family I now visit pretty uh, frequently, pretty much the same thing, ex- except they do discuss politics and still agree. And, uh, and so all sorts of interesting conversations are had, but no fighting or discomfort or anything like that. So, uh, really just hit the jackpot there. So I'm very thankful for that. And, and then finally, you know, that this was something that I've, I've sort of been thankful for, for years, but like only way in the back of my head. And it was brought to my attention over Thanksgiving dinner. I was uh, at the Chesapeake Climate Action Network Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, that's the organization I used to work for. And my old boss, who's actually a listener and a member of the show, uh, thanks, Mike, you know, he pointed out to me, he's like, you know what you should be thankful for? You should be thankful for the fact that you do this show and in just about every episode you post, there are voicemailers calling in and, you know, they say whatever they say. They're giving their opinions. They're agreeing. They're disagreeing. But almost all of them at the end tell you to keep up the good work. It's like, I don't get people telling me to keep up the good work. You know, hey, Mike, uh, that was a great memo you wrote. Keep it up. It just doesn't happen. You know, you you don't realize how rarely people in normal jobs get thanked and praised for the work they do. And that happens to you all the time. And uh, so he he makes a very good point. I, um, I'm always thankful when people have nice things to say about the show. But uh, yeah, that is a huge thing to be thankful for that it sort of reiterated on such a regular basis, people saying very, very nice things in the voicemails and by email and, and however else. So yeah, so those, those are my, my big things I'm thankful for. And, and my last thing before I, I leave you, before I, I wish you any sort of greeting for the season, uh, I will I will tell you that as a kid who grew up in California where they do not have winter, uh, what I have been calling the season for about 15 years now is not Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays, but Winter Holiday because I celebrate winter in this season. And so the way I define it, my winter holiday starts the the first day that I take off or, you know, get out of school or, you know, stop work or start travel to go visit family for Thanksgiving. And the winter holiday season just goes straight from then all the way through New Year's Day. And that's winter holiday for me. So uh, what I've been saying for 15 years, I will say to you, happy winter holiday. And that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. 
Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Many do.